1: We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Perception, the show.
0: Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, of the show. What's going on, Matt? Uh, you are in an undisclosed location. You look like you're in a like in a hostage situation, pal. What's going on? Blink twice if you need
1: help. I know. Right. Yeah. Seriously. One, two, uh, no. Yeah. I'm in a very empty looking, uh, spare bedroom in a house that we're renting, um, here in Sandbridge while we're visiting family. But you know, it's funny, man. I'm on the, I'm on the East coast. So we're doing this show at like seven. We normally do at 4 PM Pacific. And I mean, God, the amount that your body gets used to like sports time is just so, it's so weird, man. You know, like, it was great on Sunday, you know, because we had the, I don't know why I'm going to this now, but whatever. Um, you know, we had the we had the baby shower on Saturday. So, you know, your boy had a few beers, you know, tossed back a few, <laughs> right, on Saturday. And it was yeah. like, hey, who cares? I don't got to be up on the show until noon, you know? I mean, I'm, I don't got to be up at <laughs> like 6 a.m. Like I normally am back on the West Coast, you know, but then yeah. it like, I'm doing the, the recap podcast for Yahoo at like, you know, damn near midnight is when I file my piece, right? So it's, it's, um. It's just funny how we uh how we get used to sport, like sports dictates our body clocks in so many weird yeah. ways. And so I'm oh, having sure. it's an it's an adjustment man, uh, but it's but it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs>
0: uh but anyways, hey listen, we got a great show uh, in front of us here today. We are going to break down uh things we saw from the Colts Raiders game on both sides. What do we see from the Colts? What do we see from the Raiders? Uh talk about the Cooper Cup injury, seeding Lamb's big day, but I want to start with Justin Jefferson cuz my god My dude went absolutely ham sandwich, 10 catches, 193, and a touchdown. And this is no cap, no exaggeration. Like, Justin Jefferson legitimately, single-handedly gave the Vikings the victory. Like, he Mm -hmm. kept them in that game. There's no way in hell they win that game without the heroics of Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those moments where... Like I, I think it's a statement game from Justin Jefferson. You know, it's a game where he shows you that he's not just one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, which he's certainly one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He's also just one of the best, like non quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the most valuable yeah. non quarterbacks in the NFL. And you know, it's funny. Like the one thing that you could say about Justin Jefferson so far this year, for just from a pure stats perspective, because this whole week there's so many examples. You know, the CD Lamb thing we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, but like you know, it's all it's almost as if. The box score, just traditional stats don't do a very good job. Of showing how a wide receiver is really playing, because we have no questions about Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's a great player, um, but right. like there was a little, it just always felt like there was a little bit of meat left on the bone with Justin Jefferson mm. this year. A lot of it is mostly because you know the downfield plays weren't there, the plays in like 50 ball contested situations weren't there. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins is having his lowest uh, touchdown rate and adjusted yards per attempt uh, Viking season hmm. so far this year, at least heading into Week Ten. I haven't revisited the number since then, but. Um, yeah, he just hasn't been as efficient. And I think a lot of that was sort of making not that you would call Justin Jefferson a disappointment in fantasy, no. right? But Oh god, no. He wasn't having quite like the nuclear level season, but a lot of it was because they weren't really getting him the ball downfield. They weren't really getting him the ball in contested situations. I saw next gen stats put out that every single one of his completion or his catches against the Buffalo Bills had a sub fifty percent Uh, Completion probability, like they were all (laughs) high degree of difficulty catches, and Justin Jefferson just kind of took that game over, man. So, you know, Gelhar and I, when you missed the podcast a couple of um, couple weeks ago, we had the conversation about AJ Brown, and you know, was is AJ Brown a top five receiver in the NFL? And it's like we were both in agreement, yes, he is. But then at the same time, it's like, well, where does he rank in that inside that top five? Like, is he over Justin Jefferson? I don't know because I mean, Justin Jefferson is he's that good. Like I, again, I think yeah. he is one of the most non, the most valuable non quarterbacks in the NFL. Of course, like I say, you know, sit here and do this. Now we want to re-rank top five receivers. It's we're going to leave somebody <laughs> out. Okay. Like we might not even get to Jamar chase in the conversation because the position's so stacked, but yeah. yeah, to me, that was one of those games where it's like, you know, and especially the catch like the, that's going to, going to be replayed over and over again you know there's already right. people out there legitimately saying like it's the best catch in nfl history i don't know if it's the best catch in nfl history no. You know, i we, mean we had this we
0: had this conversation and i understand that it's in the conversation it, like it's in the realm of possibility i get that you know i still it doesn't matter i always go back to the odell catch because dude he's going down there running full steam full mm. on full head of steam full, like just full stride and has to lay out on the sideline and make that play deep downfield, that's a harder catch. That's a harder catch. Now –
1: I'm pretty sure I'm, he got like three fingers like on it too. Like the three r- fingers and the thumb. Exactly. Like, I it don't even think he got it, it fully like, palmed. Yeah.
0: And I'm not taking anything away from just Jefferson's catch. I started this segment by saying the dude
1: absolutely
0: dominated that game. I'm just saying if you go back and watch it, it's not like he's going – you know, full speed, right? Like he has to wait for that ball to get there. There's a defender, obviously in the area. Um, The way he made the catch is incredible. It's contested and all those things, but it wasn't, but it was happening at a speed where you're like, okay, it's like, I don't want to say slow developing, but you could kind of sort of see the play happening as it's happening. You know what I mean? Sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. Whereas the
0: Odell thing was a lightning strike. you are just like, there's no way in hell he's catching that ball. Oh my God. He caught that ball. You know what I mean?
1: I know. Yeah. Was that one was one still things. crazy. And, yeah. and Look, I, I think I said this about Justin Jefferson after his rookie season. I was like, that was the most impressive rookie season reception, perception results since Odell Beckham. Like I think right. Justin Jefferson had as good of a, um, a good, as good of a rookie season as uh, Odell Beckham did. He just didn't have that quite that catch that statement moment on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys where everybody saw it playing for a New York team. Um, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> you know Beckham at his peak was like a legendary talent doing stuff like that but you could also say offsetting like which in terms of which one is better and I, I do think this stuff is kind of stupid right like I'm not trying to be like you know one of these big <laughs> right. TV shows like st- right. stay tuned next for to tell you why the Justin Jefferson Cash actually <laughs> wasn't that cool okay like I'm not actually trying to do that but you could say that the Jefferson right. one in, ter- in terms of the moment like what it meant fourth and 18 in that like they like you said they don't win that game without Justin Jefferson, right? So that gives him more credit to it. But yeah, I just I think it was one of those games where you know a wide receiver truly took the game over, put right. the offense on his back, and said like yep. Yeah, I am I am having that type of season, e- even if the stats don't always show it because this offense is still sort of kind of coalescing." Um, that I'm having that type of season where I am one of the best like players in the NFL period, like regardless of position, I am that good. And Justin Jefferson is legitimately that good across the board. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, the, what I came away from that thinking was number one statement game for Justin Jefferson. Number two, like, can we stop with this whole, like the Vikings are, are not like, they're not that good. There's just like, look, they have a great record. So many things are coming together for them. They just beat, a Bills team, even yeah. even if Josh Allen's not playing like his best right now, he's certainly making too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. They're still one of the three best teams in the NFL. Period. Like everybody's Super Bowl favorite coming into this year, and yeah, you know, I, I almost think kind of James, like I said, mentioned the Kirk Cousins stuff. I almost kind of think like if you're a Vikings fan, you could almost feel kind of good that like, hey, we're We have this incredible record and our quarterback's not even playing that great right now. Like from an efficiency perspective, like what if (laughs) Kirk Cousins, who's always been a streaky player, like Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins having rocky moments. Oh, you know, wake me up when there's something new to talk about there. That's been Kirk Cousins entire career. Like what if he just catches fire at some point and then this team could really make a run in the NFC? I mean, why not? Look at the NFC right now. They totally could do it. Oh, it's wide. The NFC is wide open. They absolutely could do it. I mean, look,
0: they've obviously locked up their division practically already. Um, We're going into week number 11. You you talk about Kirk Cousins and streaky quarterbacks. I mean, isn't that what that's what the NFC championships are all about are streaky quarterbacks. It's like go back 15 freaking years you know it's like it's nothing but just streaky guys getting hot at the right moment nick Foles, eli manning you know I'm other than like
1: tom i mean Brady matt, what was, about what about matt stafford like sure matthew stafford's had you could make that argument stre- streaky too. moments i mean even even within last season it wasn't like i think there's this idea that matthew stafford was just like great from the beginning to the end of last year but there was a yeah. whole period where it was like do we need to have a conversation it's so fu- this is so funny what about football man it's like we never remember the actual journey that it took to get there we just remember no. like the end results or we remember right. how teams start we remember how they finish but we always forget the end <laughs> or like the middle and with the rams like <laughs> right. remember there were moments last year it was like do we need to have a conversation mm-hmm. about matthew stafford like was this trade really Absolutely. worth it like did they really upgrade on jared goff and obviously this year has been just a complete trade wreck for the rams to a whole conversation but um yeah it's just like that's how a lot of these quarterbacks that aren't I mean Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, even and even Josh Allen again is having a little bit of a streaky moment. Right, like, right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> unless you're Patrick Mahomes or you're Tom Brady at the peak of his powers, or like you know Peyton Manning or one of these guys, like yeah, you have up and down moments, and like you just hope you catch fire at the right time. I think, I think the Vikings could feel like in this watered down NFC, like we just have to catch fire at the right time. And same thing with the you know any of these other NFC teams um, that have a little bit of a question at quarterback, like Minnesota does.
0: It's funny because man. Like it, my colleague, John Hansen is a lifelong Vikings fan. And he just has such a like tumultuous relationship with that franchise. Oh yeah. As yeah, you yeah. can
1: imagine,
0: as you can imagine, you know, and it's like, I mean, he James, doesn't... I said,
1: the, I said the words Vikings fans can feel good. <laughs> and I don't think there's a Vikings fan out there <laughs> nope. that feels good at any nope. point ever. Nope. Never, never, never. And and that's the thing with, with John is
0: he's, he's, he wants to believe But he doesn't believe, you know, and it's like, and he was saying like, you know, real Viking fans, like lifelong Viking fans. It's like they're happy, but they're not like, they're not like hopeful. I don't know, because like hope has just been stomped out of them for so many years, you know. So right now they're happy, but they're not like, that's the way he put it. They're happy, but they're not hopeful, you know, because Mm -hmm. with hope brings pain, you know. So like, it just, I don't know. It's, it is very man. (laughs) It's a lot of fun talking about the Vikings for a lot of reasons. Justin Jefferson is playing out of his mind. We got Kirko chains doing his thing, you know, like (laughs) on the plane with the ice shirt off and just just loving it, man. Like, and, you know, all those things. This is just such a fun Vikings team um, to -hmm. watch because it's it's a roller coaster. Every like a lot of these games are really, really close. They're eight and one. It's not like they've dominated any of these games. You know
1: what I'm saying? No yeah no i agree um they're just such a funny team because they have had this like i I don't know they've just had there's just again it it feels like there's a meat left on the bone with the vikings even on offense where they have this like superstar player in um justin jefferson dalvin cook like that that run yesterday that dalvin cook had against the bills i feel like that was kind of the first time that dalvin cooks had one of those like massive oh. trademark runs like that. That really Absolutely. hasn't been there. The off- the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint hasn't played incredible all year long. I think that's still gelling. And, you know, that's kind of, again, the funny thing is that they have this record and they're really maybe not playing as <clears throat> great as their record might indicate, but they have the talent right. to do it, you know? And that's the thing where if they just flip a switch and even if they lose some of these games, but they're playing a little bit better, towards a stretch run you almost might think like well you know what this is why it's like who gives a damn how they look as long as they win because it's just building up like you just look at that as like you're just building up insurance you're just building yourself like room for error later on in the year. And that's kind of where I feel like we're at with this Vikings team.
0: A <laughs> um, couple notes here. Okay. One, <clears throat> I just wanted to point out the fact that this, all this off season talk of getting Dalvin cook, you mentioned Dalvin cook, getting Dalvin cook more involved in the past game. That obviously was a lie <laughs> because yeah, totally. Dalvin cook right now is averaging 3.7 targets per game. I believe that's a career low for him. A career low, Matt. Amazing. Like, think stuff. about that. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> it's like what uh, it's, not, it's not even average for him it's like come on dude what, what what happened here i thought we were supposed to get him more involved in the passing game that's obviously not the case uh and the other thing i want to bring up um and because it's like uh because we talked about this we go all harken all the way back to week one matt harken all the way back to week one you went on and you said oh i could see jamar chase being the first receiver ever the first receiver ever to have 2,000 receiving yards.
1: You and mean then Justin the, Jefferson, not tomorrow. Yeah, not tomorrow yeah, quick. Yeah. Oh,
0: tomorrow. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson, first receiver ever to have 2,000 uh, receiving yards. And then, of course, the next two weeks, it was like, nah, well, that's not going to happen. And
1: guess nope, what? Just a little off that pace.
0: Guess what? We're what? back,
1: baby. We're back. I know,
0: right? <laughs> After 193 and through 10 games, Justin Jefferson is on pace for two thousand and three yards Matt
1: <laughs> what a crazy it, topsy-turvy season it just takes it just takes a few big games right um you know what's even more amazing is like Justin Jefferson's not even leading the NFL in receiving yards Tyree Kill know, I know right exactly Dude, Ty, Tyree Kill and like Justin Jefferson both look like they have full season number they actually both only have four touchdowns um but yeah man pretty crazy. You know, Justin Jefferson on the season, just averaging nine, just 9.6 air yards per target. Like that's, again, that's the thing. Like the more they can get him the ball, in in deep downfield situations, in high leverage situations, I think the better Justin Jefferson is. You know, again, 308 receiving yards alone the last two weeks, and his air yards right. per targets up at 3.4 uh, the last two weeks. So he you has know, started to get that downfield passing game working. That's going to have to happen if he's going <laughs> to he's going to have 2,000 receiving yards, man. But I mean, what a special player! He's just yeah. I think I think he just goes to show like. I know I'm I'm going to you know talk about route running, shock. I'm going to talk about technique, shock. But like that's what was special about Justin Jefferson. I I think he kind of got overlooked because he wasn't really I mean the that, that was a flashy ass catch he just had. He wasn't really like a flashy flashy player in college. He was just so rock solid. I mean he just looked like Keenan Allen you know playing in college football which isn't that Mm -hmm. exciting for some people but it's like man he already has a mastery of that what if he adds the other stuff it's like he could become the best receiver in football and that's exactly what he's been so far I mean it's very it is very Chris olave ish to me like that you know come to come back to a guy we've talked about recently on the show it's just Mm -hmm. guys already a technically refined player imagine if he grows physically more if he you know this other stuff like he becomes he grows his body you know he gr- grows into his body more he becomes yeah. stronger he becomes faster all this stuff so man i mean justin jefferson again just a special player and, and really a, a point of why you know what matters like these guys who know how to run routes these guys who know how to play with craft like they're they just such a good floor and then look at the ceiling they can build on top of it Reception, reception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: That's the good. How about some of the bad, man? Cooper Cup, his injury yesterday, man. That what an absolute bummer that is, man. This guy, he was game script proof. He was matchup proof. It didn't matter what any, it didn't matter what you put in front of him. The guy just produced each and every week. He was so consistent. He was so rock solid. He was unbelievable. I hate to say it, but bro, that play by Marco Wilson, that, that was a dirty play, man. Mm. Cooper Cup going up top and Marco Wilson going down low for absolutely no reason. Injuries are part of the game. I get it, you know, but I just felt like I've gone back and like watched this thing a hundred different times. I'm like, man, what the hell is Marco Wilson doing on this play? If it's not trying to hurt Cooper Cup, that that's where I was like, yo, that, that kind of bummed me out. But, man, just getting back to the football side of it, Matt, this loss for the Rams now, and the Rams' season was already pretty much in the tank, It's it just feels like it's just done, done now.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we've all seen the stats, like, about, okay, here's what Matthew Stafford is like throwing a Cooper Cup versus what he's like throwing to everybody else. He has two touchdowns right. to non Cooper cup players and they're both to Allen Robinson and, and nobody else. Right. Like that's how bad um, things have been in this passing game, you know, beyond what Cooper cup is doing. And I mean, I I'm with you, man, that like, I know the reports are kind of encouraging right now. Like, okay. Yeah. They're not going to, he, he's avoided the major injury, right? I saw Edwin Porras from fantasy points say like the worst mm-hmm. case scenario after that was that he had a fractured ankle. The best right. case is he has a high ankle sprain. He's like, I don't love that. The best case scenario is a damn high ankle sprain. Right. And I, I'm, I'm a little concerned that like, we'll get to a Cause number one, how are the Rams going to score any points without Cooper cup? beats me Um, and and then we're going to get to a point where what if they lose like what if he's out the next four weeks they lose all four of these games aren't they going to get to a point where it's like what are we bringing him back like his season could be over even if he's healthy around week I don't know 15 or something like that you're going to bring him back just to put him out there for nothing nothing, right like Like, I mean for, for this for a nothing season where the Rams are careening towards the relevance fast You know, we've been saying it for a long time, right, Matt,
0: that like the Rams, they are, they went for broke. Um, They sold all the future to get to the present. They won their Super Bowl. So that's all that matters. But boy, it's an interesting team that we're going to be looking at in the offseason if the Rams stay aggressive. Like what do they do? Do they keep, try to
1: keep that championship window open or do they just blow this thing up and just try to rebuild? I mean, the Rams have a second and a third round pick. Yeah. The first round pick is traded to the lions for Matthew Stafford. They don't have a fourth or a fifth. They should have this year's fourth rounder for Sony Michelle. God, jeez. <laughs> I mean, why? Yikes. Um, by the way, the Rams' 2023 first round pick is is actually higher right now than the Lions' own 2020. <laughs> wow. wow! They have the seventh overall pick. Detroit oh would currently God. have the eleventh overall pick. Dang! Um, just Detroit's on, sitting pretty. Ah, uh, God, that's that's brutal. Um. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about the you know the the FM picks thing the trade and all the draft picks and by the way don't forget they offered at the trade deadline they offered two first round picks to Carolina that's for right. Brian Burns. That's right. Um yeah. because because, dude, I don't know that this team has like rebuild in its DNA. I don't know that they ever are are gonna be thinking like, okay, we have to we have to turn the page to what's next because I really I mean I just I don't I don't know what's next. And they are gonna have some hard questions to answer in the offseason because the and and here's the deal, man. If the Rams had an ab, av- just let's call, let's say average, or maybe even slightly below average NFL offensive line, mm-hmm. are we having this doom and gloom conversation with the LA Rams right now? I'm not. I'm not sure we are because that unit has been so <laughs> bad that I like uh-huh. it is. It's it's a debilitating force on the entire offense. Like Matthew right. Stafford gets killed you know, at least yeah, once a drive smoked. Yeah. I mean, he has cu- damn cushion. He didn't play in the last game. They can't run the ball at all. Um, obviously the fact that they don't have a lot of speed on the outside, whether it's Robinson or I mean J- Jefferson, Although Jefferson hauled in the deep touchdown um, yesterday. Like it just, that's, that's, that's problematic, but it's like, okay, we could be like a matriculate. Look at, I mean the line, I mean, not the line, excuse me, the 49ers, like, they're in a pretty efficient offense because they can run the ball, and they don't even have a great, great offensive line. They have problems on the offensive line, but they can run the ball efficiently, and they can be like a let's move the ball down the field. Um, you know, kind of matriculate it right, like Brandon right. Ayuk on some intermediate routes, Brandon Ayuk on some short routes, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, get yards up to catch stuff like that. Um, the, the Rams could have been that type of offense this year with Stafford. It's just this offensive line is so bad that yeah, I almost kind of think like if they want to keep if. I mean, if Sean McVay comes back for another year of this, you know, cause he's, I, I could totally or, see him or doing Aaron like, Donald or Aaron Donald comes back for another year of this. And everybody's like, the reports are that, you know, McVay is definitely like tying his future to the core of the Rams, which I don't a hundred percent understand James. Cause yeah, like Donald might be year to year at this point, but like Jalen Ramsey's not a, not about to retire. Cooper cup is not about <laughs> to retire. It's like right. these core, this core of guys doesn't <laughs> actually like, smoothly line up with each anyways, but I could totally see though. Hey, Kirk Herbstreet, we paid you a lot of money this year. It was a mixed bag of results. Go back to making a bajillion dollars as a college football analyst. In addition, yeah. just we'll, but we'll have Sean McFay slide into your spot here on Thursday night football. And he'll be, he'll be the next John Gruden. Like every time a coaching job comes up, <laughs> what is, does Sean McVay really want to stay in that booth? you gonna come, but anyways, like just saying all that right. to say, like I could see the Rams going one way or another. But it's like if I'm if I'm these guys, I'm thinking like, what if I just throw every every resource I have at fixing the offensive line and try to run this back for one more thing?
0: Uh, they could, but man, there's a lot. There's just a lot of question marks, and I think the O line is is probably. It's up there for sure. And I really can't believe that like a 40 year old Andrew Whitworth was the
1: one guy holding this whole unit together. That's nuts to me. You know what I mean? Like, what no, happened? Yeah. I think there's other I think there's other problems. Like, I mean, just having Steins played worse this year, they've had injury like they, that's another thing, too. It's like they had injuries to an already weak unit. And when like yeah, you come exactly. in with an offensive line, that's bad. And, and, you know, certainly, you know, one of the five worst in the NFL. And then you get hurt. Right. Like nobody has enough quality offensive line to field like to field a lot of depth there even if you're yeah, a yeah, good yeah. offensive line. So yeah, I just a unit that was destined to to fall apart. Uh, man, and like this is one of those things like who's the fantasy winner? You know, you know who gets the boost now that Cooper Cup is that Nobody. No one. I mean, absolutely. No
0: one. <laughs> no no one. one. <laughs> we I I've talked about this um on various other teams, but now the Rams to me just enter into this like fantasy dead zone like no this fly is a, zone baby there's like not a single player that i am interested in I, I don't care about the running backs i don't care about the wide receivers even tyler higby i know he had a decent game like i'm i don't care about higby i don't care about anyone on this Rams offense, because what is the upside? As you mentioned, I don't think they're going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns. And you know what? If you're looking for upside, you need to pick teams that score touchdowns. Guess what? Rams ain't they ain't scoring no touchdowns, man. So no. I'm not that interested um, in, in any of the assets from a fantasy perspective uh, moving forward. All right, let's talk about C.D. Lamb. He had himself a huge day uh, on a day that I thought that Dak did not play very good football at all. Uh, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 150 yards, and two touchdowns for C.D. Lamb. He went absolutely bonkers. And again, I just go back to the fact that Dak Prescott with Eric Stokes on the sideline, um, no Rashawn Gary for the, for the Packers, uh, I, he did not look good. 265 passing, three touchdowns, fine, but also two interceptions, a 78 passer rating, I keep waiting for Dak Prescott to look like the Dak Prescott that we remembered. And I just don't know if we've seen it.
1: Yeah, um, I kind of disagree. Watching that game a lot. I mean the two turnovers were problematic and like you know, they don't have they have those two interceptions, like they might run away with this game. I think he looks fine. Um, I just think this offense is still a little bit limited. Um, looks good in the run game with Tony Pollard. Uh, yep. but yeah, the two picks, it's like, you know, Greg Olson watching that game was kind of like, Oh, those, those might be on Ceedee lamb. Like he needs a he needs to cross that guy's face, not take it down. It was like, what if he's just run the post route? And like Dak took the blame on the sideline. Maybe like that was, I don't know. Just who knows what the, like, maybe those were Dak's fault. Maybe they might've been a little bit Ceedee lamb's fault, but you know, this to me talk about a statement game, you know, CD lamb's one of these guys that's like some fantasy bros are like yeah he's been good but like he hasn't had a 100 yard game yet he hasn't had like a big eruption game it's like well duh he's been playing with cooper rush okay like (laughs) of course and like if you date the stats back to Uh last year which some people do it's like yeah he's playing with the playing with amari cooper like playing with dak prescott when he had a calf injury it's like it's almost as if the box score doesn't total like i said earlier doesn't totally encapsulate how good a wide receiver is because i don't know what like If you want to tell me like there's a reason that CeeDee Lamb hasn't had like he's just not that good, like, you know, whatever. What what's the thing? What's the thing that he doesn't do well enough in like in his arsenal? Like what's the weakness? He's a great route runner. I mean, my God, like Mm -hmm. the route against Jair Alexander, he's he's had plenty of just incredible moments as a route runner this year. I think he's gotten so much better there. I still think he's a little bit underutilized as an open field threat. Um you know maybe the criticism would be he's not like the most physical wide receiver in the world but that's not really his game like he's not AJ Brown he's a, he's like a tall slender guy um yeah
0: i think i think that's probably where it lies right like he's more Marvin Harrison than he is Randy Moss you know what i'm saying like he's sure. just more like he's a technician and and i think as great as Marvin Harrison was i thought the colts could have done really well to find themselves a physical receiver that they just never had with that Peyton mm-hmm. Manning era team, they had a lot of finesse guys. You know what I'm saying? That's why New England beat them up. You know, they just literally would just mug them at the line and say, all right, well, get off the line, get off press, see what you can do. Um, I, and I'm not saying CD's not great against press or whatever it is. I, I'm just saying that's more of the archetype of receiver that he is. He's more of the, the finesse yeah, guy. Sense. You know, and I, and I think some of these, and I think some of the criticism is they want him to be something that he's not. Which is this big physical presence?
1: That's just that's just not who he is. Yeah, I just think he's gotten so much better too in like contested situations and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I he, I just think he's a great number one receiver and like, I agree. Like he he has these moments like this one, this game against the Packers. Which I mean, it's not Ceedee Lamb's fault they lost that game, right? Um, no. <laughs> it's like, hey, how about they have one good cornerback besides Trayvon Diggs? I mean, my God, like they run out there. They play just (laughs) pure cover one. Yeah. A ton of cover one snaps against the Green Bay Packers because they don't want to. Why not? Why not line up and play man coverage against the Green Bay Packers? It's like, oh, we just let Christian Watson run by us for three touchdowns. And we'll talk about Christian Watson on the next episode after times have some time to go back and uh, chart some routes and maybe add him to the rookie report. But it's like, sure, they got filleted there on that plan, even if it was a decent plan. So it's just like sometimes you roll it out there and you, your players aren't good enough. And I definitely think Dallas's cornerback situation is problematic beyond Trayvon Diggs. But, you know, CeeDee Lamb has this moment. He had that moment um, where he. Definitely led them back to a big win uh, against the Giants on Monday night. Like that was an alpha level game. Um, after that one big drop that everybody gave him a bunch of crap for, this was an alpha <laughs> level game. You know, right. he's just, I, he's a really good player to me, man. And I was happy to see him finally have that like big time eruption game because everybody just judges wide receivers off the box score. Um, no surprise, uh, even if it's not the best way to do it.
0: I think he's utilized in a weird way too, right? Like I feel like in this offense they want to slide him inside a little bit more than then he probably should. And, and like, we, of course you want to have that versatility, you know, yeah. but like to me, like again, why can't, if we're talking about Marvin Harrison, why can't he be like a, like a Marvin Harrison type outside, you know, X wide receiver,
1: 40% slot player on the season. Um, he about 55.8%. So going up the last, uh, since week eight. And I do agree with you that they're a little too static with their wide receiver usage. It's like, Okay, well, Michael Gallup's back. Michael Gallup can only play the ex-receiver role. I'm sure right. they don't want to add too much to his plate because um, you know, b- because they just don't want to have him doing too much right now because he's still so fresh back from his ACL tear, which people forget about, which is why I'm sure they you know, are sort of kind of in the market for – or at least they want to be in the market for Odell Beckham, right? Because they right. want to slide him as an outside receiver and keep CeeDee Lamb in the slots. It's like you need to just decide on what you want CeeDee to be and let him – let him do that but man he was just a first down machine against the against the Packers like consistently moving the chain doing his little wiping the nose move that he does there um over and over and over again man yeah it was it was an awesome game to see from CeeDee Lamb just a guy that I think maybe it's because he plays for the Cowboys maybe it's because he was drafted really high in fantasy this year but when he's out there with Dak and like again maybe we have you know Dak hasn't played his best ball coming back from the injury I don't know I think he's been I think he's been pretty damn good I, I I wasn't I wasn't too unimpressed with what he did uh, Hmm. against the Packers. I think the defense really let them down in that one for sure. Um, Definitely some questionable coaching decisions as there always is with Micah McCarthy in big games. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. But, but man, yeah, I, I think that when he's out there with Dak, like those two have such a great, Timing and chemistry that I think it actually accentuates what CD does really well as a route runner. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, Dak,
0: when he throws to CD looks great when he throws anybody else, it doesn't look very good. And again, and I go back to the fact that the Packers were down major defensive players, major defensive players. This offense to me, the Cowboys offense should, should be good enough to, I don't want to say dominate what the Packers are, are doing. And by the way, the Packers, their style of defense too, is really weird. Like they, they let, they kind of let you go down the field on them, right? Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. don't believe in giving up big plays. It's all about like, all right, we're going to keep everything in front of us. Um, they've given up a high percentage of, of completions. Um, they're not rushing the pass. I mean, especially not with Rashawn Gary out. They're not rushing the passer, passer very well. Clean pockets for Dak. I, I just felt like, look, all the ingredients were there for, ha- for him to have a great game. And he had a, yet another average game. And I think he's had a lot of these average games um, throughout the season. So I, I don't know. I've just been surprised because I, I look Dak to me is not Derek Carr, right? Like the expectations are different. Dak is a good player, right? Like when I see Derek Carr, I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, okay, we got a slightly above average quarterback and whatever, whatever he gives us over that, that's a bonus. Right, but I feel like Dak is on a is on another level than than Derek Carr, and you know, again, it's just expectations. You know what I mean? Like if we got this level of play from like I don't know, like John Wolford, you're like, oh Wolford, you're oh, like, sure. oh this is this is great, this is amazing, wow, he looks really good. But it's like, no, that's not. It's all about expectations. So when I say he's been somewhat disappointing in my eyes, it's because. I'm expecting more from Dak Prescott, you know, because I think he's a good player. That's really what it comes down to. So,
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Reception Perception, the show. Wow. James Cole and Matt Harmon.
0: I think the Cowboys, you know, again, that, that was a that was a game they they, they needed, they fumbled it, and... That that one hurts Uh, just a little bit. But they are down, but they're not as much of a down clown show as the Raiders are right now. Two and seven on the season. Uh, How do we tackle this one here, man? Like, okay, so the Raiders take on the Colts, and the Colts were an absolute coming into the game, a total clown show. Um, But, man,
1: uh,
0: they reinsert Matt Ryan into the lineup, and. you know, Jonathan Taylor looks like the guy that we expected him to be at the start of the season. Twenty-two carries for Jonathan Taylor, 147 yards on the
1: ground, a touchdown, six point seven yards per carry. Dude looked great, Matt. Yeah, dude looked great. And, You know, I think there's still a chance he's playing with an injury, right? Because you know he was dealing with a high ankle sprain and there's everything like that. But, dude, yeah, the Raiders, man. I mean, oh my God, we can we can get into them in a second, but I'm. Man, I almost it makes me feel a little bit bad again retroactively for Frank Reich because I mean we all know that Jim Mersey went down to Frank Reich and said you're benching Matt Ryan and you're going right. to play Sam Ellinger the rest of the season, which again, I cannot keep I mean you got to keep coming back to the fact that that was an insane <laughs> thing for them to say. An insane right. thing right. for them to say. So they but and then as soon as they get Frank Reich the hell up out of there, you know Jeff Saturday apparently sat down. I read the uh, story from Jim Trotter, uh, NFL.com about it. Okay, apparently Jeff Saturday checked in on Matt Ryan like, hey man, you know I was I was the guy that got benched in Green Bay forgot about Jeff Saturday he even played for the Packers there for second. The He's like, I got benched in Green Bay for playing poorly. Like, how are you doing with all this? And then by the, they have a conversation, Jeff Saturday thinks on it. They're starting Matt Ryan by the, in Jeff Saturday's first game. I mean, come on, <laughs> man. Like you fired Frank Reich cause you made him go to, cause the offense right. stunk cause you made him go to Sam Ellinger. And like, I, right. there's obviously a lot of other stuff going on there, but it's like, man, it just made me feel a little bit bad for Frank Reich again. But Yeah, obviously, they play Matt Ryan. Their offense looks competent. It's able to go up and down against a bad defense. And the Raiders, for the 100th year in a row, it seems like, have a terrible defense. I mean, Matt (laughs) Ryan had a 39-yard run against Raiders. oh my god that was matt the Ryan. slow that was the slowest 39 yards i've ever seen
0: it was like it like took two minutes to complete i'm like why there's no where are the defenders where are the Raiders? What, was, what was
1: matt ryan's next gen stats miles per hour on that play oh
0: my five i don't know man it was so bad it just it's just crazy that i'm like how is he still running like and oh oh, he, oh he's still running oh, okay he's still running My my god where are the defenders where are they like how is this guy racking up a 40 17.7 on?
1: 17.7 <laughs> miles per hour there you go <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> yeah i don't check know about that the, either. Check, check the data on that one uh michael lopez uh, who, uh, from who does data analytics for the nfl said it was matt ryan's fastest speed since week eight of 2020 i mean it was like his most that 39 yard run was more yards total than he's had in a game That's in amazing. like the last six years or something right. i mean just yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. embarrassing but look Crazy. the offense was not competent it was not nfl caliber with sam Ellinger out there because sam Ellinger is not and i don't want to be mean to the guy but he's not an nfl caliber quarterback but That's correct you get matt ryan in there you get the timing passes to Michael Pittman. You know mm-hmm. he has seven catches on nine targets. You get the you get the ball out on time to Paris Campbell, and then the Raiders forget how to tackle him. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> you're able to run a real NFL offense. But yeah, like I don't know, man. I'm I'm still very obviously look. The fact that Jeff Saturday won his first start doesn't vindicate everything that the Colts have done no. over the last week at all. But um, they ran the ball better than they had at any point this year. That that is for sure.
0: Yeah, I, and I think I talked about it on this show. I can't remember if I did or was it on the main. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, I I, know I talked about it at some point that Jeff Saturday, given his background and you know what what he's going to do. Obviously, he doesn't have a lot of head coaching experience. Not he has no head coaching experience. Uh, no, no coach. No. Coaching yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Please. He's got no <laughs> coaching experience at all. <clears throat> but what he can do, he could talk about O line play, right? So like you you figured okay, he come in at least put hyper focus on the O line and maybe get these boys in order. Maybe get these guys. Uh, in a little bit better shape than they were in weeks previous, and maybe that would help the run game. Maybe that would help Jonathan Taylor, and all those maybe's turned into actualities because that's actually what happened. I do want to point out that the Raiders, up until this point, actually were a very good run defense. Okay, so three point yeah. nine eight yards per carry allowed to running backs. That was the fifth best in the NFL. And when just isolated against running backs, right, top five in rush yards over expected and also top six in rush defense EPA. So this is a unit that I didn't have a lot of hope for for Jonathan Taylor to put up big numbers. I thought, okay, maybe he puts up respectable numbers because he's Jonathan Taylor. But no, he put up big numbers, 6.7 yards per carry for Jonathan Taylor, again, against a defense that up until this week had been pretty good. So I guess it kind of dovetails into the next topic, which is, are the Raiders bad? I know it's a simple question, and I know you're looking at it and you're saying they're 2-7 and on the season. Of course, they're bad, James. But to me, it's not that simple, right? Because they're 0-6 in one-score games, and they've led three of those seven losses by 17 points. So... Is it variance or is it just bad coaching? Is it Josh McDaniels? Is it the offense?
1: Like, where are we going with this Raiders team? I think they're bad. Um, Here's a stat about the Raiders. Their defense, just overall, allows the third highest yards per play. Um, They allow the seventh most first downs per game, but they've allowed, uh, they rank 20th in terms of explosive plays allowed per game. So it's not like they give up these big chunk plays. They just get, they just get pushed around. Right. I mean, yeah. Mm. And then yesterday, of course they've allowed, they allowed a lot of explosive plays, but th- their defense is bad. Their pass defense is bad. I, I you know what I think, James, I think that the Devonte Adams trade, which may have been, may or may not have been misguided. <laughs> I mean, it certainly doesn't look <laughs> good in, in, in hindsight for right. anybody involved. Right. I mean, if anybody, yeah. Like, can everybody just go ahead and click the undo on that one, hit the exactly. reset on the console. Golly. Um, I think it masked what was a fl- was a really flawed roster. Um you know, they got and and I think their playoff run last year did that a little bit too. I mean, Derek Carr like has these really good seasons at certain times. Um but I think he's an average quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. I think he's a
1: guy that you can win with, not win because of. Their offensive line is a problem. I mean, it was a problem on paper heading into this year. Um their defense was like Chandler Jones, they signed him. He hasn't really given him anything. Max Crosby's been great. But, like, can you name one other Raiders defensive no. player that's like, yeah, that, that guy's a difference maker. No, like a needle, no. even a needle mover at all. I don't, I don't think you nope. can. No. So, like, what what's good about this roster? Like, what, what was a strength of this team heading into it? What well, was supposed to be the passing game? Devontae Adams have been good. Um, I think he's been Devontae Adams. He's been a great player. But Darren Waller. I believe the stat is that Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devonte Adams, and Josh Jacobs have all played together for like a combined 46 plays this year. Mm-hmm. Like That's right. And by the way, Josh Jacobs wasn't even supposed to be part of that. It wasn't it was supposed to be a big three, not a big four. Like Josh Jacobs has <laughs> been a revelation for them this yeah. year. And he wasn't even supposed right. to be a big part of like the equation. So to me, it's just like, I don't like coming into this year the thing that was supposed to be really good about the Raiders and potentially make like put them into the mix in the AFC was they were going to have this spread it out pass attack with Darren Waller creating mismatches, Hunter Renfro creating mismatches in the slot and Devontae Adams being the best wide receiver in the NFL outside. And like they just haven't had that this year. And then beyond that, their offensive line can't pass protect and their defense can't stop anybody. So to me, James, the question is simple and I believe it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. The Raiders are not good. Let me focus in a little bit on the coaching though, right? Like is Josh
0: McDaniels, is he a problem? Right. And and to me, I I kind of look at like the usage of Hunter Renfro versus Matt Collins and say to myself, is that smart coaching (laughs) to have Matt Collins play significantly more snaps than Hunter Renfro. And I get it, Hunter Renfro's been injured, but I'm just saying, even when healthy, he's not a guy that's on the field 100% of the snaps, whereas Matt Collins is. That, to me, seems like a little bit of a problem. As a matter of fact, Hunter Renfro has played less than 80% of the snaps on five of six games that he has played. Mac Collins, on the other hand, has played north of 90% pretty much every single damn game. So maybe the dude's not putting the guys, the right guys, in the right spot, letting them win where they can win. Because, hey, listen, I'm not even saying Hunter Renfro's a guy because he's not. He's a good player. This dude had 100 receptions last year, Matt. Like, mm-hmm. how was he not part, an integral part of this offense?
1: And it's weird, too, because you'd think, like, oh, coming from Josh McDaniel's offense is, like, what they did in New England, he's he, – they're, they're going to emphasize the slot receiver, right? Um, mm-hmm. He was a guy that looked pretty bankable. But, yeah, the fact that they've made him sort of, like, a bit – you know, almost in a weird way, I wonder if – I wonder if Josh McDaniels looks at it and I have no idea. I'm just totally speculating looks at it as like, well, the best thing we do right now is we run the ball. And I think they've been a little overrun heavy at times. Like Devontae Adams has even come out and said, First half against the Jaguars, we're cutting those guys up. we I am destroying this team single handedly, and he gets no production in the second half because I think they went a little too far into their shell. It's like, well, we got to have Matt Collins on the field because he's bigger and he brings something as a run blocker. <laughs> I bet you that's I bet you that's part of the justification because it's the t- it's the thing that they do the best right now. You know, it's they're they're like a run first team, and you know Derek Carr hasn't had this great season. He's had this really emotional press conference where he got yeah, really yeah, yeah. upset about it, and I, I you feel kind of feel for the guy. And he made a point too. It's like, I don't want to sit here and be questioning the coaches. Cause like they've accomplished a hell of a lot more than me in this league. Right. Like Josh McDaniels has won cha- championships as a coordinator. A lot of the dudes he brought from new England have won championships. Right. And like Derek Carr isn't, doesn't want anything. So I get his point there, but like, um, yeah, I, I really don't know. I think, I think that this, obviously this experiment is not going well. Um, but again, I think expectations got a little out of whack When they traded for Devontae Adams, which I think they only kind of did because they felt like they were close. Well, maybe the end because like Devontae Adams really wanted to do it like he wanted to leave Green Bay and go play with his buddy. Like, didn't you've seen all the stuff where it's like these guys have talked about playing together forever? Like, I think Devontae Adams wanted to come play there. But I mean, not as if it got him any discount, discount, they paid first and second round pick and they paid him more money than God. So um, <laughs> I think it just, it just gave, it just gave expectations a little too much juice to the point that, you know, we were all talking in the preseason, like the Raiders, they, what if I mean people literally were out there? Like the chiefs could be the fourth best team in the AFC West. You're, you're, you're on drugs. Okay. Like Patrick Mahomes is still quarterback. Jesus. He still exists. The Raiders were just never going to be in that mix. They were never because they're not even no. like Denver. Even if like if Russell Wilson has was the player we thought he was going to be, they still right. had a good, a good, good roster. Um, I oh, think yeah. their skill position talent was overrated, Um, but but still and solid and they've suffered injuries, but it was still yeah. solid and their yeah. defense was rock oh, solid and their offensive yeah. line, you know, before some injuries was really good as well, but the Raiders just never had that roster. They had what should have been a great passing game. And that's really it. They surprisingly got a great year out of their running back. And then their, their offensive school guys have been hurt. So it's like what should have been their biggest strength has actually been the Mac Holland show, as you say, which is, is not what it's supposed to be.
0: Um, I'll just talk about usage here just for a little bit. And you're saying, well, of course, Mac Collins is going to be out there because you know, he's going to play flanker. He's going to play opposite. He's going to play outside opposite of Devonte Adams, obviously. Um, Hunter Renfro can't play out there. Well, listen, hold up now. Hunter Renfro last year played 30% of his snaps as an outside wide receiver. He had 43% of his receptions, 44 receptions lined up as an outside wide receiver. 35% of his receiving yards came as an outside wide receiver. Six of his nine touchdowns came when he was an outside wide receiver. So listen, dude, I don't want to hear that hunter renfro can't play outside opposite of devonte adams to me that is a huge mistake by josh mcdaniels to not understand and not have seen that this dude can line up out there and be successful and be productive you can't sit there and tell me Mac Collins needs to be on the field. Like 90% of the time. Like it's fine. If you want to use his big body in certain situations, like he's a situational player, dude, like he's not an every down guy to me, by the way. So 30% last year outside wide receiver for, for Hunter Renfro this year, that number's all the way down to like 10 or 12%. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, usage is a little bit, it, it's different. For Hunter Renfro this year and you could put that squarely on Josh McDaniels
1: yep I know I'm with you man like I think Hunter Renfro showed the ability to be like a flanker slot hybrid guy and now he's been almost an exclusive slot guy which I think is disappointing um you know he's obviously again injuries like you mentioned but he the the, you listed the stats off perfectly that there are several games where he's under 80 percent of the snaps like that just can't happen like he's too good of a football player and and by the way like of course Devonte Adams and um you know Garrett Carr shared a history together you know they played in college mm-hmm. right but and i'm sure they could they got back on the same page fairly quickly even if Adams efficiency stats have not been great whereas well, his quarterbacks is not having that good of a year but i mean how many times did you know, it, it takes so much trust to have the quarterback and the slot receiver be on the same page on those option routes. You know, you have to really, really trust that dude. And Hunter Renfro killed it on those option routes last year, which was basically like the best plays in their offense. Cause I mean, Darren Mm -hmm. Waller wasn't at his peak of his powers last year either. Like Hunter Renfro was their best offensive player at times last year. Um, You know, even like, I even got on John Gruden a lot for not playing a uh, Hunter Renfro more like wh- why? Like you got a surprising rookie season out of this guy. And like, you basically in 2020 just kind of buried him. Uh, and then you finally bring him back out in 2020. When he has this great season. He gets contract extension from this regime. <laughs> and then they make him <laughs> a pure slot receiver. And you know, Right. You need to have that guy out there in two wide receiver sets, you know, or yes. you need to have that guy out there for sure. Not, not Matt Collins. I agree with you. Like, I think that's a, that's a pretty bad coaching um, problem. And you know, it's just, it was one of those things too. And again, we talk about the Raiders coming into this year. We talk about, Oh, well that they, they could be competitive in the AFC West. It's like, are we sure Josh McDaniels like has right. just learned his lesson. And you know, look, I don't hear a lot of like, I don't know that any of the players are coming out and like throwing him under the bus or anything like that, but, um, I don't know. It's just how, do people really, can people really change? It's a question. I mean, it's a question worth asking in life, James question, worth asking football coaches too. <laughs> That's right. Can People really change, you know, he does all this stuff that rubs people the wrong way. Um, as the head guy in Denver, right. Is that still going on? I mean, those questions are going to be asked. Uh, it sounds like Mark Davis is not going to fire Josh McDaniels one year into his, I mean, uh, he can't afford career. to, I mean, yeah. as we know, not the to, Raiders yeah, are one of the
0: more w- one of the more financially strapped, you know, franchises in the NFL. It's like we talked about this on on our direct TV show. It's like at the end of the day, he can't do it because he can't afford to do it. Like if you get rid of this guy. All right. Well, who are you going to bring in? Uh, if you bring in somebody, if you bring in somebody cheaper, that means they're not well known. If they're not well known, people are going to say, well, we didn't get a coaching upgrade. Right. So like, what, why did we make this move? You know? So it's just, man, I don't know. I, I feel like they're priced into having Josh McDaniels here for another two to three years. Um, but again, his track record has shown that he's not that great of a coach. Um, so I just wonder what's going to happen here with this franchise. They're, they're locked in with, I think they're locked in with Derek Carr too. Right. So it's like, they've paid Devonte Adams all this money. They've given Derek Carr all this money, Josh McDaniels, all this money. It's like,
1: Oh, boy, they can they can sneakily get out of that Derek Carr contract, but they are, you know, they're, they're certainly locked into this version of the team if they keep Carr around. That is that's tough, man. (laughs)
0: that's that's a tough situation to be in man all right hey listen um all right uh as always if you guys uh would be so kind like and subscribe to the show that would be great you could find matt on youtube as well by the way uh posting a lot of these clips um in video format for your enjoyment they're nice and short as well which is cool if you don't want to listen to the whole show that's cool find him on youtube as well and of course you can find us both on twitter and on the discord um, if you guys are subscribers to the website reception perception.com. All right, for Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We will catch you in a couple of days here. We'll see you.